A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Because the New Testament is utter horse it's created by a bishop and a an emperor. That's a fact. That's like established religious fact. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you witness me. I'm asking you to brush his hair. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 131. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, aka the Evangelical Norm. The Master's Dog is a podcast where I deal with false teachers, false doctrine, false churches, false gospel. If it is false and it is as anything even remotely trying to sneak into God's word, I'm going to talk about it here. As the John Calvin quote at the beginning says, when God's truth is attacked, I bark. Uh, it started out as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted. So the, the genesis of this podcast was another podcast. So the Saints Unscripted, formerly known as the Three Mormons, started a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. And they started talking about uh, breaking down the Articles of Faith. Um, I wanted to respond to that. I was like, okay, this is an interesting thing. I want to show how these 13 articles of faith of the Mormon church, their, you know, basically their, their doctrinal statement, uh, how it doesn't line up with Orthodox Christianity. So I committed to responding to those videos, every single one of them. And then they continued on past that, way past that, uh, dealing with other issues of doctrine and so on. So I committed I said, I will respond to all of these videos that they make. If they keep making these, I'll keep making them. So it was called Faith and Beliefs Refuted. That was the segment of the podcast, Faith and Beliefs. At some point, I said, you know what? I want to deal with more than just these guys. There's all kinds of false teaching stuff going on. Stephen Furtick, Joel Osteen, you name it. These guys are out there flapping their jaws and, and contradicting the truth of God's word. So again... I needed to bark, and that's how the Master's Dog came to be, and um, that's what it is. But today, we are back to our original roots of the podcast. We are dealing with yet another Faith and Beliefs uh, video from Saints Unscripted. And some of those videos have been kind of just history, not really doctrine. Some of them I, I decided rather than actually watching the whole video, I just threw up a screenshot, explained why it was kind of a nothing burger, and moved on. So uh, the last couple weeks have been kind of like that, but there's been a point, and I've been telling you as I, we looked at those because they broke down just kind of the history and the geography of the area of Judea where Jesus lived and walked and, and had his, his earthly ministry. And then last week they talked about the different people that are involved there, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sicarii, and, and so on, the Zealots. 
And so what they're giving you is an accurate representation of who these people are. And I made the comment, they're doing this because then they're going to try to sneak their false Jesus in there and go, well, look, everything else is right. Doesn't the history and the geography and the people groups make this true? No, it doesn't. Today, we're going to see a little bit of that. They're, they're going to start sneaking their false teachings into the accurate representation of the history geography and so on of the area so all that being said we are going to jump in we're going to let david do what david does and let him just break down for us what he's going to break down and it is basically this week uh talking about the garden of gethsemane and then we will get into it so here is david snell from saints unscripted Hey guys, so if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus Christ really liked teaching people through parables. Sometimes the meaning of Christ's parables was not immediately clear to people. Sometimes it took some effort to understand and to extract the message. In a lot of what Christ said and did, there were multiple layers of meaning. In this episode, we're going to talk about another scenario where I think Christ was trying to teach us something that at first glance might be really easy to miss. Let's jump in. Or just what you guys are interjecting into it, and it's actually not there to begin with. All right, after the Last Supper, Christ left Jerusalem with Peter, James, and John. They crossed a little brook called Kidron and entered a garden called Gethsemane. The booklet True to the Faith teaches Jesus' atoning sacrifice took place in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross at Calvary. In Gethsemane, he submitted to the will of the Father. That's the key. Let's pay attention to this. Jesus' atoning sacrifice took place in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross at Calvary. That's the important thing that they're, they're sneaking in, so let's take a look. ...and began to take upon himself the sins of all people. The Savior continued to suffer for our sins when he allowed himself to be crucified, lifted up upon the cross, and slain for the sins of the world. Now, Latter-day Saints are not the only Christians who believe that Christ suffered for our sins partially in Gethsemane, but it is a somewhat controversial subject. We're not really going to get into it today, but know that our discussion about Gethsemane today is not at all intended to detract from the massively important events of Calvary. So, Matthew records that once in the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ began to... So again, we... They make, he makes the statement. He said, we're not going to talk about this, this part of it. We're just going to talk about Gethsemane, but we're not. But then immediately, they start talking about it, right? Well, we're not, and this doesn't mean to take away from the events at Calvary, but we're going to talk about it, and we're not going to talk about get deep into the... He's literally lying to you. We're not going to get into it, but let's get into it. And so immediately he began to be sorrowful, right? And so, but we're not taking away from, well, yes, you are. If you're going to take the atonement off of the cross and spread it out, then you're literally taking away from the cross to be sorrowful and very heavy. He withdrew some distance from the disciples and Luke records that he began to pray, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Mosiah 3.7 in the Book of Mormon describes Christ's suffering in less ambiguous terms. Behold, blood cometh from every pore, so great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and the abominations of his people. Now, let's take a few steps back. Before Christ enters Gethsemane, he's fully aware of what is about to happen. At the Last Supper, he's prophesying about Judas's imminent betrayal, Peter's triple denial. He even says the next time he drinks of the fruit of the vine will be in the kingdom of God. He knows his suffering is about to begin and intentionally chooses Gethsemane as the setting. Why Gethsemane? The word Gethsemane means oil press. Gethsemane was at the base of the Mount of Olives and it was filled with olive trees. In Christ's day, to extract olive oil, they would pluck the olives and then crush them to a pulp using these giant millstones. Then they'd take the pulp and once again apply huge amounts of pressure to the pulp which would squeeze out the oil. Now, the olive oil we're used to that you get from the grocery store takes on a nice yellow golden color. But in its rawest form, olive oil is brownish red. It looks almost disturbingly similar to blood. In Gethsemane, the immense weight of the sins of mankind came crushing down upon Christ, extracting blood from every pore like oil from an olive. BYU professor Taylor Halverson pointed out that understanding this symbolism highlights the significance of using consecrated olive oil in some Latter-day Saint priesthood blessings. And interestingly, as Daniel Smith points out on his excellent channel Messages of Christ, olive oil was used in Christ's day to make healing ointments. It was also an ingredient in common foods like bread. Christ taught, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. The olive branch is a symbol of peace. Christ is the Prince of Peace. In Christ's parable of the ten virgins, it was the olive oil in the lamps of the five wise virgins that allowed them to be prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. It may also be significant to note the proximity of the Kidron Brook to the garden. Taylor Halverson noted that this brook helped wash away the blood of sacrificial animals from the temple. One of the drains from the temple may have run down to this spot. Jesus, as the true sacrificial lamb, may have had some of his blood washed away at the Kidron Brook near the Garden of Gethsemane. The okay, I should just let him go, but it's uh, he's almost done. So let's back up and take a look at a couple of things. One, I'm going to have to actually look into the fact I don't believe it was olive oil. It doesn't say it was olive oil in their lamps. I don't know that olive oil burns in lamps. Could be. I could be wrong. Let me know. Send me the links and all the other stuff. But the fact that, that this is, again, this is literally making the case, and this here as well, that the sacrifice was made in uh, in Gethsemane. And, and, and we'll get into a little bit why and, and so on. But just to say, okay, the, the Kidron washed away the blood of the sacrificial animals, and Jesus' blood, because he sweat blood, um, had this this physical manifestation of his agony and his anguish. Nowhere does it say that it is because the weight of sin is being put upon him right now. Nowhere does scripture give us any indication of that except from the Mormon writings. Nowhere. No, you cannot. I, 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 if you can show me from scripture, if you can show me somewhere in the Bible where it says the sins began to be put on him in the garden, then I'll recant. You know, as, as Luther said, unless I am convinced by, by scripture, 
and and conscience or, or scripture and clear reason or I don't remember what he said. My conscience is bound to the word of God. So here's the reality. Nowhere does it indicate and yeah, we get this interesting stuff about oil presses and it looks like blood and it's this and Jesus was having his blood, you know, being pressed out and, and blah, 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 blah. The sacrifice, his blood being poured out was on the cross. It was on the cross. I'm, I'm going to, there's just a couple of minute, seconds left. So let me let him finish and then we'll get in. I'll get into my rant. So here we go. The things Jesus does in scripture are just packed with meaning. Take the time to dive into this stuff and let Christ be that healing ointment, that daily nourishment, that bringer of peace in your life. Check out the resources in the YouTube. Okay, so, I mean, there you go. So many things we can to look at here. One, again, nowhere does scripture say that the atonement happens anything in the garden. The garden is just an incidental place where Jesus went and prayed and agonized over what he knew he was going to do. He was going to make the atonement for mankind. He was going to become the the sacrifice for our sins on the cross. Here's why Mormons had to do and they had to bring the Garden of Gethsemane into it. Because they are adverse to crosses. They refuse. You'll talk to Mormons, especially back in my day when I was a Mormon, and you would talk, they'd go, well, if Jesus was killed with an M16, would you wear an M16 around your neck? Yes, I'm mocking them. Well, if Jesus was killed by an M16, it wouldn't have been the atonement that we needed. Yes, everything that Jesus does is, is intentional. God is sovereign. Everything is intentional in the way he did it, right down to the cross. The cross, a proper sacrifice was made on an altar, not in a garden. You know, there's nowhere where it talks about the priests preparing the sacrifice for sins in the temple, where it said they began to put the the weight of the sin on the, the sheep in the garden and they agonized over it and they, they, they bled out or anything like that. It was on the altar, and there were things that had to be done to make the sacrifice official. The blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled on the four horns of the altar. The blood was poured out at the side of the altar. These are things that Scripture says makes it very clear had to be done for a sacrifice to be, for a priest to make an an accurate sacrifice or an, an acceptable sacrifice. Let's look at Jesus. What is the altar that Jesus was sacrificed upon? The cross. is literally the altar that he was sacrificed upon. How was he placed on the cross? Hands and feet nailed. So you've got three corners, three horns, per se, of the cross. You've got one wrist, the other wrist, ankles. Anointing the blood of the sacrifice on the what about the fourth altar? The reality that God had the Roman soldiers place a crown of thorns upon him in a mocking way actually caused it to be okay that Jesus, who was the high priest, was actually able to apply his own blood to that, that in a sense. The, the, the blood that was drawn by the crown of thorns anointed the fourth horn did I say crown of horns? Crown of thorns anointed the fourth horn or corner of that altar 
that Christ was sacrificed on. When they tested to see if he was dead, and they put pierced his uh, put a spear through his side, and it says that water and blood flowed out. Not only do we know that that is an accurate uh, description of of a, a hemothorax, where blood and, and fluid build up around the lungs and suffocate the 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 crucified victim, we so we get blood and water flowed out, which is what they would recognize as the fluid and, and water that came out of a hemothorax when the side was pierced. But it literally poured out the rest of the blood of the sacrifice at the side of the altar. God made everything, the only altar for our, our sins was upon the cross. That's why nowhere does Paul ever talk about anyone else, any church fathers, anything in the entire 2,000 years of Christian history until Joseph Smith decides that we're going to start talking about the Garden of Gethsemane being, and there was at a point that it was, that was where the atonement happened. When I was young and I was taught, it had nothing to do with the cross. All the atonement happened in the, in the garden. And then as people began to push back and so on, then it became this, the, the garden and the cross. Because they can't just throw out what Joseph had taught and these other prophets had taught, because then they have to admit they were wrong. They didn't know what they were talking about, so they had to add to do you see what they're doing? We give you all this accurate history and all these accurate descriptions of the people and so on. And then we start to throw in the little bit of, of mistruth and false teaching and false doctrine. Just sprinkling it over it. Just testing the waters. Again, as he talks so much about olive oil and stuff. And you, oh, it looks like blood, but then it's a golden brown and we use it. They use it in the, the blessings and the priesthood blessings of this and that. And it was used for this and it was used for that and, and all this stuff. No longer talking about the blood. You know, let Jesus be that, that healing oil for you. We're not talking about the blood anymore, which is what by the penalty, what the what was required for our sins. Oh, well, well, maybe we mean blood when we're talking. No. No, and it's, it, it is in that that they can justify the fact that their communion is nothing of the blood of the vine. It's not even grape juice, which our church, does, you know, many Orthodox Christian churches will use grape juice. A lot of them, we use wine. We use actual wine and grape juice for people with issues of conscience. But the LDS church uses water. So the, the use of water instead of wine and so on, oh, well, the word of wisdom and this and that. No, it is literally to take away the efficacious fluid that was required for our salvation, and that is the blood. You start talking about oil, you quit talking about blood. You start talking about water, you quit talking about blood. Again, this is a false doctrine of a false gospel that does not offer salvation because they quit talking about the blood and they substitute it with oil and water ultimately removing the salvation that the gospel presents and leading millions who follow after these false prophets and false doctrines to hell because now they're following after the false Christ and the false gospel and the false sense of salvation. 
And all it takes is that little bit. Let's give you some truth. Let's give you some truth. And now we're going to start working in those lies. We're going to start working in that that nastiness and that 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 bile and that yuck. And that's how they get you. A little bit of the truth. And Satan has been using that scheme for thousands and thousands of years. Right back to the beginning in the garden. Did God really say? That's how they get you. So there you go, guys. Uh, This week's episode of of Faith and Beliefs. and, And it's refuted. So, again... Comments are open. Questions, comments, Snyder, Marks. I'll take all the smoke if you want to give it. Uh, suggestions for false teachers and anything. I'm, I'm down for whatever. Put it in the comments. Leave me something. Just say, hey, whatever it is. But if you haven't already, please like and share the video. Hit subscribe. I've got a, We've had a bunch of new subscribers over the last little bit. Still, it seems like at least one every day. New subscribers coming along into the 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 channel on YouTube. And that's because you guys like the videos, share the videos and uh, subscribe yourselves. And that again, makes Mr. Algorithm go nuts and start, you know, sending these videos out for people who might want to see them. We get more and more search results and, and so on. So, and that's thanks to you guys. So I appreciate all your help, all your support for those who do that. If you are brand new and you just come and stumbled onto the site, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification notification button get all the content that I release here on the Evangelical Norm channel. You can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, uh, at the Master's Dog or the Evangelical Norm on Twitter, Norm Dunham on Facebook. I'm on Instagram somewhere. I don't really use that a whole lot. I'm actually starting to do a little bit of stuff on TikTok, but that's just for fun. If you want to see a lot of Six Degrees to Kevin Bacon, follow me on TikTok. And uh, that's it. So thanks again for taking the time. As always, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.